Welcome to the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary C-sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after cesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. Today we're talking with Jennifer and she is going to share her birth stories with us. So Jennifer, if you just want to give us a little bit of an introduction, that would be great. Sure. So my name's Jennifer. Um, I'm a mom of three. I'm married and we have two dogs. Um, I have three and a half year old twins and then my youngest is one and a half. They are just about 25 months apart and we live um, way up north Illinois in Woodstock and we love it. Small town. Um, I am the executive assistant of a super tiny consulting firm that's based out of Chicago. Uh, but lucky enough, I am, I'm where I am lucky to work from home most of the time, which was a blessing for both of my pregnancies. Well, if you just want to take us to wherever you want to start, uh, with that pregnancy with your twins, that would be awesome. Sure. So with the twins, well, I would cycle back to, we had fertility issues. We started trying right when we got married. My husband and I have a pretty big age difference. He's 14 years older. So we knew right away that we wanted to have kids pretty soon after we got married. Um, And we had issues for two years. Um, So after we couldn't get pregnant on our own, we spoke to a fertility clinic and I'm pretty low maintenance when it comes to medically invasive things. Um, So we originally tried IUIs four times and those are way less involved than, than a full on IVF procedure. Um, But all four of those failed and the last one failed on mother's day. So that was my kind of, we're done here. Um, I wanted to move on to adopt, but my husband really kind of had that drive to, you know, see a kid with his eyes or his hair or something like that. So it kind of pushed him to push a little bit harder for IVF. We tried one round of IVF. We transferred two embryos and both of them stuck. So we have our twins from that and they are my C-section, which was a scheduled C-section at 38 weeks. So getting into their pregnancy, it was a dream. I got a lot of, not bullying, but once it was put out there that I was pregnant with twins. Everybody put up all these red flags and there was a lot of, oh, you have to be very careful. You have to rest. And, and, you know, it's, it's this big deal, but I'm a twin myself and my mother is a twin herself. And she, when she was pregnant with my twin and I, she did not know that she was pregnant with twins until her eighth month of pregnancy. I want to say it was her seventh or eighth. It was after her baby shower. And her mother did not know that she was pregnant with twins until she gave birth. So having, yeah, it it is, it's very cool. And and mine are IVF babies, but we still like to say twin, twin, twin. It's, it's the interesting fact about me that I share as the icebreaker. (laughs) (laughs) It's all I have to offer, but um, having that sort of family history and you know, with, with two twin births that weren't necessarily, we knew they were twins from the beginning. Both of the births were vaginal births. There was no pressure at that point. I mean, even when my mom was pregnant with my sister and I, that was over 30 years ago. They just told her she was overweight. So there, you know, for her pregnancy, there was no extra ultrasounds. There was no, I can't even remember what the specialist I used was called. I want to say MFM. Like maternal Mate- fetal medicine. Yes. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I'll cycle back to my pregnancy. Um, it turned me off because I knew that my mom had been pregnant and my, we call her Nana because we're Italian. She had been pregnant with twins and, you know, it was just, it was just what it was. There was two in there versus one. There was no medical concerns. And with my pregnancy with the twins, like I said, it was a dream. There was no, there was no issue at any point during my pregnancy. Um, so when, uh, when I was kind of what I felt forced by medical teams to have these extra ultrasounds and I mean, eventually schedule a C-section, I was just extremely turned off by that. I felt not in control whatsoever of what was supposed to be a very exciting 
journey, you know, of my life, my first pregnancy. I did enjoy it thoroughly. I stayed very active during it. Um, I walked, you know, I would take the train from Woodstock and, and into Chicago and I would walk two miles to the office every day. I did that up until the day before I delivered. I did yoga with them. I mean, I was upside down in my yoga practice until my third trimester. So it was easy. And, and I just, I was in a lot of twin groups and I would see these horror stories of, of people being put on bed rest and that sort of thing. And just none of it applied to me. I loved it. I would actually say my pregnancy with my youngest Ophelia was harder, but it, it wasn't really hard. It was just probably that I had twins running around, but yeah, it was perfect. It was a wonderful pregnancy. I had no issues with any of the testing that they did, but they still insisted on it. And that's kind of what really drove me to what, to push for the home birth with Ophelia. At what point in your pregnancy did the C-section get scheduled? When you found out you were pregnant with twins, were you thinking like, oh yeah, I'm just going to have a vaginal birth or how did that? Yeah. When I found out I was pregnant with twins, um, I still wanted the home birth and I was still, I'm like I said, I'm in Northern Illinois. There's, I know law is different from state to state, but in Illinois, it's pretty hard to have a home birth with anyone but a certified nurse midwife. Um, my preference from the beginning was CPM, which is certified professional midwife. Nobody will even look at you if you have multiples. You are defaulted to high risk, so you have to be in hospital. I actually looked into going to California because there is a doctor in California that does twin home births. That's all he does. So early on in my pregnancy, my OB was a young female woman. She was fantastic. We got along very well. We found out that Lennon, my girl twin, was breached pretty much the entire pregnancy. She was very low. I swear her toes were coming out from the beginning. So when we got to about 34 or 35 weeks, she said, I'm going to schedule the C-section. And I was very uncomfortable with that for multiple reasons. She could flip. It's very unlikely with two babies in there that they're going to flip that late, but it's not unheard of. So she could have flipped. And I personally was extremely comfortable with a breech vaginal delivery. I preferred it over a C-section. This doctor was blunt with me and I will never fault her for it. I respect her so much for saying this to me, but she ended up telling me that she was not comfortable doing a breech delivery. She said that they don't train doctors anymore to deliver breech. And she, being a young doctor, had never experienced one, any breech babies. She just was trained to C-section. Um, so she didn't, she wasn't comfortable doing that with me. And I respected her for that. She told me, if you want to do this, you need to find an old male doctor. So at 36 weeks pregnant, I switched providers to someone who told me that he would be okay with doing a vaginal delivery, even if baby A was presenting breach. Switched to him. He was all right. He's pretty, I want to say the word brash. He's just very blunt older male. My husband couldn't stand him, but he, I mean, I got his humor. So what ended up happening is they had me on what they call non-stress tests every few days at the end. And those showed nothing, no issues. And then the day before I turned, no, I, maybe three week, three days before I turned 38 weeks pregnant, he told me that um, Cedar, which is my boy twin, had flipped and became head to head with Lennon. And he explained that while he was comfortable delivering Lennon breach, and he had throughout the time kind of threw in his little side remarks like, oh, you know, we heard about you and when I transferred there and all sorts of things. But when he told me that Cedar had flipped head to head with Lennon, he explained that Lennon's feet could come out. And then before her head got out, Cedar's head contrived to come out which sounds very scary. And he started pushing for, you know, we should just schedule this. And I, the one thing that really bothered me is he said, you'll just have the Hollywood birth. <laughs> and I thought, what? And he said, yeah, no work for you. I mean, mind you, it is a major surgery. Oh my gosh. Yes. I have never heard that term before. 
me either. And I just looked at him and my husband was with me who knows that I'm at that point was fairly like into birth activism. Um, and my, he just kind of looked at me like, oh no, I hope she doesn't, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So I was just very turned off by it. My twin sister was here already. She had come in from out of state to help me with the babies once they were born. So anyways, we came home. I talked about it because my husband was at that appointment. He was now scared of this head to head delivery. So we ended, we ended up deciding, fine, we'll do it. And my reaction to losing that control, because I really felt like I lost control of the whole birth at that point. I, I made this big switch at 30, 36 weeks pregnant. I, you know, got up the guts to switch providers. And here I was still ended up at a C-section. So I kind of felt like one, I either failed or two, I did everything I could. And this was really meant to be a C-section. So I decided to go with number two and say, okay, this was really dangerous. A head to head is terrible. And he kind of went heavy on the, you know, I remember him telling me because at that point I said, fine, I'll agree to a C-section, but can I just go into labor naturally? I didn't want to decide on their birthday. So I said, okay, what if when I feel contractions, I come in and we just know that we're going to C-section. Then he went to tell me about, well, you could have the umbilical cord coming out before anything else. And and then, you know, all these terrible things will happen. So I decided, fine, we'll just schedule it. And I became very controlling at that point. I said, fine, we're going to do a C-section it felt like a compromise to me, but it's, it's all I could do to get control back. I, I said, my sis, my twin sister is going to be in the OR with me and my husband, you know, I'm keeping the placenta. I just turned into kind of what I felt like a monster, but, um, they did it all. And, and I was very grateful for that. The, the twins went straight to my chest. I was able to nurse right away. Just things that are what I'm learning unheard of in a C-section, but that you should I, have. And you can have, and that's what's upsetting to me is a lot of these women's women who still end up in C-section for whatever reason, maybe the woman is, maybe that's the woman's choice. She's more comfortable in C-section, which in that case, I'm all for it. But I, I, I still talk to these women that are like, oh, you know, I decided on the C-section for whatever reason, but they wouldn't let me X, Y, Z, you know, they wouldn't let me have my sister in, or they wouldn't let me do skin to skin is a huge one. They mm-hmm. said we couldn't do skin to skin. Another big one is they said we couldn't do delayed cord clamping. It's not true. I did delayed cord clamping in a C-section with twins. So it's just the only reason I feel like I walked out of it, not grieving too much was because all of those things did happen for me. But the doctor said one thing during the C-section that in my head, I thought I'm not coming back here for my next pregnancy. He knew that I wanted to V back the next time around. And he, in our area is well known for being fairly V back friendly. I remember he, you know, he was doing the surgery and he said, oh, well, next time we'll let you try a V back, but don't be surprised when you end up in C-section because you're, he either said your pelvis is tilted or your uterus is too small which are both crap. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Which are wow. both very common. I have friends that believe they can only have C-sections for both of those reasons. And as soon as he said that, I thought in my head, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be back here. What a horrible so, thing to say. Was that during the C-section or dur- after? Oh yes. No, he was, he was, it was during the C-section. Wow. Yeah. Like when he was looking at whatever he had just decided that I can try. And I don't, I don't do well with those terms. You can, you can't in a medical, well, not necessarily medical, but in, in a labor and delivery sort of situation. And to hear those words too. I mean, I just think of like women who are feeling super vulnerable already Mm -hmm. feeling like they failed or like something, it was just out of their control or whatever the reason might be hearing those words can leave a huge imprint on you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm very pretty stubborn. So for my personality type, it kind of drove me in the other direction, more of like, okay, tell me I can't and I will. 
But like you said, a lot of women, especially you're open on the table, you don't want to be there. You're already there. And now somebody's telling you, you're going to be here again, even though they're perfectly aware that you don't want to be. So it just wasn't a very supportive environment. He has a midwife that is absolutely fantastic. And that's kind of where I, the seed got planted for the difference between certified nurse midwives and certified professional midwives, um, which is where the decision came when I, when I chose uh, who we worked with for Ophelia's. But I will say the C-section overall went extremely well. They gave me everything I wanted in terms of like after they took the babies out and the babies never left my side, I was able to nurse them right away, like I told you. So that all went extremely well. If I wasn't someone that was such, had such hard opinions or strong opinions, I should say, on birth in general, I would have walked away saying that was fantastic. I healed insanely fast from the C-section. I remember calling the midwife and saying, you know, I feel like I want to vacuum and, you know, I, I don't do well sitting down. And, and she was kind of like, just follow your body. So all of those horror stories you hear about C-sections and afterwards didn't apply to me. It was the C-section itself and the recovery was a great experience. That's definitely not something that you hear often. So how did, how did that postpartum time? I mean, obviously having twins is a little bit more than just bringing home a singleton baby, but how, how did that postpartum time go for you then after you were home from the hospital outside of just like the physical recovery? It was good. So I was lucky enough to, like I said, I have a twin sister myself. Um, She was with me for six weeks afterwards. Um, She spoils me after birth. She was with me for two weeks after my latest as well, but she had planned um, her and her husband moved States a lot and they were in between moves when I had the twins. So she had planned for her husband to go move. They were going to Pennsylvania at the time and she stayed here with me for the six weeks. So it was easy. (laughs) I know a lot of people are going to hear, you know, here's a a new twin mom, first time mom recovering from a C-section. I'm calling it easy. My circumstances were completely different because she was here. I have a very strong support system, um, family-wise at home as well. And that can a difference too. I mean, just having that constant support is, is a big factor in postpartum recovery. It did. It was huge. And I will, when I get into Ophelia's birth, I mean, I'll tell you right now that the twins, you know, coming home and and getting into routine was easy, but the difference there for me was the, the midwife input, which I'll talk about later when I talk about Ophelia's birth, but um, yeah, it was, it was nice. They were born in summer. You know, I'm not one to really keep them in. We were out right away. We were going to the farmer's markets and physically I was fine. And yeah, it was, it was nice. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So great. No, that was good. good. It was good, but it was, you know, I still, there was that underlying feeling of this didn't have to go this way. Home birth has been on my radar since forever. I've always been very excited to get pregnant and be pregnant. And even the labor and delivery has always excited me. I knew I always wanted to do it naturally. And then once I got pregnant, when you do IVF, there's a pretty, there's a small amount of time between when you find out you're pregnant and then when you find out how many you're pregnant with. So that time in between, yeah, I let myself go a little crazy with, we're going to do a home birth and I'm so excited. And then when they said it was twins, you know, you have that excitement but there's this little piece of me that like, oh my gosh, there goes my home birth because in Illinois, it's, it's not even a question. Don't even waste your time doing it. And so, that's so unfortunate too, that, cause I know you kind of talked about like how things vary state by state, right? but it, it's unfortunate that you don't have access in some areas where that would just be a normal thing in other areas. Yeah. It was a little frustrating to be able to see that someone across the country, it was normal for this doctor to, to be going out and doing twin. And I think he's done a triplet one and Mm -hmm. it is, it's a little frustrating to see that that support exists. It's just not consistent across, Mm -hmm. you know, statewide or even, you know, countries I'm sure. So yes, I, I think that, that 
bug has always been in there for home birth only because I view pregnancy and labor and delivery as a a natural process and not necessarily a medical one. And I'm always careful when I say that because you will get someone that jumps up and says, well, if I wasn't in the hospital, you know, I would have died or my baby would have died or something like that. And those things do happen. And that's why we're thankful that we have our hospitals. Exactly. But for the most part, we will be okay at home. So then I, I think you mentioned the age difference in your kiddos, but how how mm-hmm. far postpartum were you when you got pregnant with Ophelia then? I was, it was four months after the twins' first birthday. I had called our fertility clinic the day of their first birthday and said, you know, we want to go again. We had seven embryos frozen. And they informed me that that they would not let me do another transfer while I was nursing the twins. And I nursed the twins until their third birthday. So we decided, okay, we're just going to shoulder, you know, another transfer for now. We'll enjoy the twins. I always wanted to let themselves wean and all that stuff. So I wasn't going to let that change my plan. We decided we will transfer once the twins decide they're done breastfeeding. Four months after I made that call, I found out I was pregnant without getting any fertility help. So she's a surprise and uh, a great one. We just were not expecting to be pregnant at that time. But once that all happened, I, I ended up going to a different OB to confirm the pregnancy. And he is fantastic. If I ever had to do a hospital birth, it would be with him 100%. This is a different doctor. Um, he confirmed the pregnancy. And in that same appointment, I looked him dead in the eye and I said, Listen, I want to do a home birth. And I said, I know in Illinois, you know, there's no OB that's going to meet you at your house and deliver the baby. And I was a little nervous saying that to him. But at that point, I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, beat around the bush with any of this because of how I ended up with the twins. I'm going to be very upfront early in my pregnancy so I can make these decisions if I have to move around. He was super supportive. He said, you know, excellent, do that. You'll be great. And he even said, you know, if anything changes with that within your pregnancy that you're no longer comfortable doing a home birth, come back. We will 100% deliver you. You'll do a VBAC. It'll be great. So I was very excited to find that kind of support where I don't feel like I would have got that before if I had stuck with the same OB. So I moved on. I started in, I started interviewing midwives. I interviewed one um, CNM, which she was so lovely. I just personally, I don't like that they still report to a doctor. Um, So they still, in Illinois at least, I don't know if this is consistent throughout, they still have to follow doctor guidelines. So one of my questions was, you know, if she is, if the baby is breech, will you still deliver? And, And her immediate answer was, well, I would have to consult with a doctor. And if you go past 40 weeks, are you okay with that? Well, I would have to consult with a doctor. Then when I met with a certified professional midwife, which the difference there is their schooling is different, but also they work completely on their own. They don't report to anyone. They don't have to have rights at any hospital or anything. So there's no hard, fast rules in the medical world that they have to follow. And I was more comfortable with that. A lot of people are more comfortable with the opposite, which is fine. There's fantastic certified nurse midwives. Unfortunately, the certified professional midwife is not licensed to deliver in every state. So there's a huge, a huge push in Illinois to get CPMs licensed. So anyways, I found one in Wisconsin that I absolutely adored. We're right on the border of Wisconsin and Illinois. And we just went with her. And the only question when we met her was where we would deliver because she had a birthing suite, which I think a good number of them do, at least from the ones I interviewed, they all had a birthing suite in there where their office was, whether it be like the upstairs of their, their home is like set up like an apartment. Um, hers was just an apartment that was above her office that she shared with um, an acupuncture woman. So my husband was terrified of home birth. His hope was that our compromise would be I deliver at the birthing suite. And I would be okay with that because it wasn't a hospital. So I said, you know what? We love her. 
She felt like family the minute we met her. And once my husband saw what a birthing suite actually is, he was more okay with the idea of home because essentially it's someone else's, you know, fake home setup. There's no medical equipment in there. There's no hospital backup, nothing. So I think he was thinking, well, if we do it in the birthing suite, you know, there will be a NICU tucked away somewhere, but that's not what a birthing <laughs> suite is. You just have to get in your car to go to someone else's house. Exactly. It's essentially the same thing. Exactly. So I'm not sure. It, he, we went with that for the first couple of weeks. And then I saw a chiropractor throughout my whole pregnancy. He ended up explaining, and I won't get it right, but the chiropractor ended up explaining, you know, your body knows your environment that you're in every day. So the baby knows that. And, and I won't word it as well as he did, but it totally, my husband was like, yes, we'll just have the baby at home. What's the difference? And, you know, we set up an emergency plan. We had a very intricate, if we, if I in the middle of birth, because I had never felt contractions, I had a scheduled C-section. So if I felt it and decided, no, no, this is not what I thought it was going to be and changed my mind we would go to, you know, this hospital. If it became an emergency, we would go to this hospital because it's closer, but not necessarily my first choice. And that really calms my husband down. So he was, he was on board with a home birth. And then we watched, um, oh, I wanted to write the name down, but we watched two DVDs that are pretty well known in the home birth community. Is um, one of them the business of being born or why not home? Yes. The Ricky Lake one, right? Yeah. Yep. The business of being the born business of the being born is the one we watched. I mean, I saw it happening as he watched. I saw him get angry at her story and then, you know, ecstatic at all the other birth stories that were happening. And it's a really balanced film. I thought a documentary in that it shows, because if I remember correctly, it, it does show a couple that does have to end up in hospital for a medical reason. So I, I, I liked it because it's not like all rainbows and butterflies. It's very realistic. And he, as soon as it ended, became kind of an extension of my birth activism. <laughs> he was anyone he met, he was like, we're having the baby at home. And do you know, they do this, 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 and this. And he was very, <laughs> very That's passionate. Awesome. So I would, if anyone, you know, hasn't heard of it or hasn't watched it and is kind of deciding between the two highly recommend that mm -hmm. documentary so yeah I've kind of lost track of where I was we're pregnant and meeting the midwife her pregnancy was just as easy as the twins but like I said earlier I think because I was chasing at that time one and a half year old twins around and going to work and you know at that time commuting back and forth because COVID wasn't an issue then I, I remember being a little more tired but I think it was more enjoyable because there were little ones that were excited with my belly growing and, you know, their brother, we didn't find out the gender. So their brother, sister was in. And so, but, you know, other than that, I had sciatic issues in both pregnancies. Maybe it's called SPD, but that was in both pregnancies. I think it's fairly common and it was manageable through a chiropractor. So yeah, just staying active and everything kept, kept that pregnancy just as enjoyable as the twin one. So then how, how did everything go with the care with the midwife? Did you, did you travel there to her office to do all of your prenatal care and appointments? Yeah, I went to her, um, her office for my prenatal care. She did a kind of a home check, I guess is what she called it when we were closer. And then she did one very detailed um, visit that was kind of more around my husband um, and like any concerns that he had. So the biggest difference, and I, I would say that I much prefer midwife care over IB, OB because it's just more, it felt more personal. It felt more like a therapy session almost. She, she would spend, you know, each appointment was an hour and she would spend the bulk of that going through how I was feeling, any concern, you know, how I was feeling physically. Diet was a big concentration of hers, not any sort of bullying in terms of what are you eating, but just more awareness. If you're feeling this way, maybe eat less of that or more of this. Nothing ever felt like a command. It was more of advice. And I never felt like I was 
pushing or pulling for control with her. Um, she did the medical part of it. And that was maybe five minutes of every appointment. I brought my twins once and we spent a little longer on the um, fetal Doppler because they got a kick out of it. But then even there, I appreciated her switching her routine up a little bit to accommodate them and what was exciting them. Where, yes, I didn't have the twins when I was going to OB appointments, but it was very structured. You sat in the waiting room, you went in, they took your vitals, and you know, you're in and out in 10 minutes, hopefully, if you're not in the waiting room for longer than that. But with the midwife, it felt like you spent an afternoon with her and it was very conversational. And she, I felt like most of her time was spent on preparing my mind for the birth versus strictly only concentrating on what could be happening in my belly. And she did that, but um, it was really just making sure I was mentally prepared and supported for the birth that I wanted. And like you said too, the the appointment that she had that maybe focused a little bit more on what your husband's concerns might have been or being able to bring your other kids with you, it it seems to be more of a family-centered approach where everybody is included in that and everyone is tried or she tries to make everybody feel more comfortable with the entire birthing process instead of just like checking things off of a list and then moving on. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, my husband with his job, he, he was probably at one, maybe like the ultrasound with the twins, the first one. But other than that, he wasn't really able to get to any appointments. And I think part of that is because with, with my OB at the time, at least you didn't really have many options on when you could have your appointment. You scheduled your next one when you left and they told you when you would be coming in next. Um, But with my midwife, she was super flexible and very, she was understanding that he wasn't there due to work, but she was also very um, concerned with him being just as comfortable as, you know, as the number one support person during the birth with the whole process. So she went out of her way to make sure that despite work concerns, he would still get an entire appointment to just go over any concerns that he had. And she would, you know, lay out even, I think she offered, we didn't end up doing it, but she offered to like role play a birth just so he could know he had this fear of like not doing what he was supposed to do. So her idea was we can just run through it. And so he can feel that like, he's just going to answer whatever you need, which we don't know right now until you're in it. So she was super accommodating and I never, yeah, I didn't really get that feeling from, you know, your typical OB visit and I still talk to her now. So definitely more of a, of a friend sort of relationship. And I think that's important because when you're in the middle of labor and delivery, you want to feel calm and connected to every single person that's in that room with you. And every single person that's in that room is going to play into the atmosphere that you're giving birth in and your body is going to feed off of that too. So being comfortable with each other is is a very important thing in my opinion. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And that was one of the, you know, I see a lot of people or a few of my friends have given birth and they don't know who the doctor was because they're, you know, they could be in a larger practice where the, the OB that was seeing them throughout their entire pregnancy wasn't the on-call OB. So someone else delivers. And it's just, that's not something that I was looking for. I feed off of energy a lot. And I knew that, you know, if I was going to do this successfully, I would have to have a relationship built with whoever was going to be in that room with me Mm -hmm. and not be surprised by any of it. So then take us to where labor started. So I'm not sure when labor started. (laughs) I I had two big fears going into this that my midwife worked through with me. And one was tearing and the other was not knowing what contractions felt like. I'm a really big planner. So I just wanted to know, okay, you know, it's okay if it hurts. I just want to know what it feels like. And nobody could tell me. And now that having, you know, my sister asks me and now having gone through it, I I couldn't explain it either. So I understand where, you know, that comes into play, but I felt kind of periody cramps, I guess, 
on, let's see, she was born on the 15th. So this had to be on the 13th. And I kind of had that. I don't know how much into detail you want to go, but sometimes women and my midwife said your body will begin to clear out kind of like a stomach flu, but not mm-hmm. coming out your mouth <laughs> sort of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember like, I, you know, after a while I'd be like, Oh, did I eat something wrong? Like my stomach is upset and nothing clicked. And I, you know, that she was born on the 15th. So that more or the night before she, um, I'm sorry, I went to bed and I was feeling that crampiness and had been feeling that crampiness for about a day. Um, and I remember telling my boss, I think I'm going to take the afternoon off and just start my maternity leave, maternity leave now, because I was past 40 weeks at that point. And I said, I'm just going to start my maternity leave. Hopefully this like encourages the baby to come out knowing I'm wasting maternity days. Um, but if not, I can get, you know, start getting stuff in order and all that and all that stuff. I remember feeling crampy at that point. And then the next day I brought, you know, I slept fine. I woke up, I went to bring my kids to daycare, picked them up. I remember going to the chiropractor and when I, like when he adjusted me, I remember thinking, is this a contraction? This feels weird, but no, I'm at the chiropractor. Everything's gotta be fine. And then that night, and everyone told me that the baby would wait for my twin sister who was got in that night. I I remember bouncing on a ball in the living room with my husband and my twin sister walked in. She had just got in from the airport. And that like instant was the first time that I really felt, oh, this is probably a contraction. That's um, super cool. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's pretty common that people have their friends guess on due dates and everyone was sure they would wait. Um, the baby would wait for my sister to come. And that's exactly what happened. So that was late at night when she got in we put my husband in the guest bedroom and my sister came in my room with me and I was kind of, you know, I didn't go to sleep. I was just bouncing on a ball and she fell asleep. And I remember thinking, this is not it because it doesn't feel like, you know, what the movies show you that it feels like. And I remember going downstairs and getting some pictures that I had printed out that I had wanted like in my room for the whole birth ambiance sort of thing. And I hung those up at like probably 1.30 in the morning. And I took a picture of her sleeping. And when she, she woke up about three and I said, you know what? I feel like I should at least tell my midwife and my doula that something is happening. So we called them at 3.30 in the morning. They arrived at about seven. And I couldn't tell you why she decided that was to, she kept telling me that she would only have to hear me on the phone to know when she would have to come. And I always thought that is ridiculous. Like throughout midwifery care, you, mine, at least I never got any vaginal checks. So, and I loved that. And she would, if I had preferred to get vaginal checks or, you know, a lot of women like to know if they're dilating at all, she would have done that, but I didn't want any of that. So she didn't. So it's just wild to me that she said, no, you know, once you're feeling things, if your sister just holds the phone up to you, uh, I'll ask you a question and I'll know by your response. So I just remember I was on the toilet and she asked my sister something and my sister asked me and I had to pause to answer her. And she said, okay, I'm going to head out. Um, so they got to my house about seven o'clock. The twins woke up. They said, hi, I think my girl twin nursed. And then I went in the tub. And after that, it was like a blur, or I should say a dream because my personal experience, I didn't feel any pain. When my doula showed up, I remember that she, my two sisters were sitting in front of me in the tub and she looked directly at them and and we had talked about what she was going to do. So this sounds mean, but she looked at them and she said, okay, out. She, you know, my doula is very into energy as well. And she has this strong belief that when women feel like they have an audience, which is not an option in the hospital, you have an audience regardless, your body could shut down. Mm -hmm. So she walked in and I was in the tub. I was happy as a clam. We were chit chatting and with my sisters and she was like, okay, you need to leave now because she's, you know, her body's not doing any work. She's 
you know, she, she's entertaining you and she's not concentrating on the labor. So she kind of kicked them out of the room, which sounds terrible. But like I said before, we had talked about that being the plan. So I was in labor. Ophelia was born at 12, 15 PM. And the only thing I remember pain-wise is getting up to go to the bathroom. And, you know, I went to the bathroom and I remember telling my doula because she had got started to stand me up again to get me back in the tub. And I said, oh, no, 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 I have to poop. <laughs> and she said, no, 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 get back in the tub. <laughs> and I was like, no, I don't want to poop in the tub. And she said, Jen, you're not, your baby's coming. And I fought her on it. And she said, listen, do you want to have the baby on the toilet or in the tub? And I said, fine. And when I got back to the tub, I pushed twice and she was out. I'm almost nervous to do it again because I feel like I didn't experience what all of these women tell you that it's like this huge pain. And, you know, I I've had friends that had medicated births because they couldn't handle the unmedicated and even friends that have had unmedicated births that are like, I'm never doing that again. And just none of that was applicable to me. Do you think that just the role that or I guess your your view of home birth throughout yes. your life has played into that because if you if you grow up not thinking of birth as this huge medical event that needs a ton of intervention and it's painful and it's horrible I mean that gets very ingrained in who you are as absolutely. a person absolutely and I can't say where that came you know my mom had all of you know I'm I'm one of four including a twin birth. And she had all of us vaginally without medication. Even one was an induction, but she never had medicine. So yeah, I think that plays a huge role into it. But I also, while I was pregnant with Ophelia, knowing that I was going to do the home birth, I never let anybody tell me a negative birth story. Because as soon as you tell someone that you're having a home birth, you start getting the well, this happened to me and you're crazy because, and as soon as I heard those, you know, I would immediately shut them down. I respect that as your experience, but I don't want to hear it because that's going to plant in a subconscious seed and I don't want to hear it. So all I did was surround myself with positive birth stories. And those were the only things that I was willing to talk to someone about. Yeah. You have to protect your bubble. Exactly. And I kept it very, I don't want to say ignorant, but, you know, I'm perfectly aware of what can go wrong, but that's as far as I let that go. Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't entertain the idea of something going wrong in my birth because I had full trust in my midwife that if something went wrong, she could handle it. So in my head, I didn't have to worry about it because I had chosen a midwife that was fully capable. So that's where I let that worry diminish. I also read um, Ina Mae Gaskin, which I'm sure you know. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, that was the only book that I read as far as like prepping for labor and delivery. That was the only book I read. And I just remember there's a story in there where she talks about a cat giving birth and, and kind of going away from other animals and to safety. And that really resonated with me. So I think that's how I ended up having the birth that I did at home. It was something that I really, really wanted and having this kind of base belief that it doesn't need to be in a hospital, I think is what set me up. I will say my doula is very, um, I say hippie, but I'm a hippie as well. So that's not said with any negative connotation, but um, she showed up with a drum and my husband looked at her like, what are you doing? So she, after she had kicked my sisters out, she immediately just started drumming. And I really, really believe that that put me into some sort, I say like hip, hypnotized state. Mm -hmm. I didn't do hypnobirthing or anything. I, I think that works fantastic for some women. I started that book and it didn't really call to me. So I put it back down, but the drumming I don't know what it did to me, but she had explained in one of our sessions that there's different states of consciousness that the brain is in. 
Um, and her goal as a doula was to get me into the specific state that your body is in control. Your mind no longer tells your body you're feeling pain or anything. Your body tells your mind, I am doing this because there is a purpose. You know, this baby is coming. And I think with her drum, that's what she did. And it was painless. I mean, I, I, I will say that once my water bag broke, I ended up pushing my water bag out. I thought that was my, my daughter, but I remember she, you know, once she told me that my baby was coming when I was on the toilet, I thought there's no way because I haven't been in enough pain for an enough amount of time to be dilated enough. And like I said, we, I had no idea how dilated I was. And I said, can I feel? And she said, yes. So I felt myself, not that I know what I'm feeling for dilation, but I felt the water bag and I thought that was the baby's head. And that's what convinced me to get back in the tub. So I ended up pushing that out first. But like I said, the next two pushes, one was Ophelia's head. And then the next, she just slid right out. I was in awe after she came out that one, I had done it. And two, it was over (laughs) because I just feel like going into it, I felt like I was going to be in labor for a lifetime and that's not how it happened. I, I love hearing the stories like that, where you talk about just not feeling the pain that like how you said earlier, like what you see in the movies, things like that, Mm -hmm. because it's so amplified. And of course it's to be dramatic in TV shows and movies and all of that kind of stuff, but birth doesn't have to be that way. I'm so glad you said that because there was a moment, (laughs) there was a moment when, before I got in the tub, I spent probably, I would say two or three hours kind of like trying to sleep and then getting back on the bouncy ball. And I was feeling like a, a pretty strong sensation, but I would say more intense than painful. And then when I got in the tub, it disappeared. And I remember early on, I looked at my doula and I said, I want to get back out. I don't want to be in the tub anymore. And she was like, why? And I said, I feel like it stalled my birth. I'm not feeling anything right now. And I want to be like drowning in this tub and not, and you know, not dilating. And I just felt like, because I wasn't feeling what I had felt on the medicine ball that my birth had stalled. And she looked me dead in the eye and she said, birth doesn't have, or labor doesn't have to hurt. And that was really eye-opening to me in the middle of labor that I was expecting like, well, yes, I have to be in some screaming pain if this baby's going to come out anytime soon. And that wasn't the case at all. I was never in any true amount of pain. And she came out approximately four hours after I got in the tub. What did that postpartum time look like then after she was born? Did you guys kind of hang out in the tub for a little bit? Yeah. So I delivered my placenta in the tub. We didn't know what she, what her gender was. So that took, that probably took a lot of the time of us like in shock at she was a girl. And I immediately went into like, what's her name going to be then? Um, Which we didn't decide on until the next day. But so it was a lot of like, just kind of celebrating bonding. My husband was in there with me. He, he, he delivered Ophelia. And then I, I delivered the placenta, which my midwife at that point took a lot of time to explain the placenta to me, which was fantastic. I had done, I had kept the placenta from my twins pregnancy and I did the whole pills and everything encapsulation. But at, in the home birth, my midwife, you know, pulled the placenta up to where I could see. And she was explaining how it works. And it was just beautiful. I mean, you see this placenta and a lot of people are like, Ooh, but it was just absolutely gorgeous. How much time and effort she put into explaining what had been keeping my baby alive the whole time, you know, the really, the, the source of everything for her. So that I really appreciated her taking the time to do that. At that point, we got out of the tub and I fainted, <laughs> which I, everyone is, you know, oh my gosh, you faint. I fainted two times uh, postpartum for no fault of anybody's. And, and when I start 
saying this part of the story, I get a lot of eye rolls and like, well, if you were in the hospital, you wouldn't have fainted. I would have fainted in the hospital. Nothing was different. So I fainted coming out of the tub. They handled it beautifully. I remember like coming to immediately and she was holding my feet over my head and she was totally calm. I remember not being scared ever. And I've never fainted in my life. I would think that if I had blacked out and, you know, came to again, I, I, would assume that I would be a little, you know, frantic. One, what happened with my baby and, and, you know, all this stuff. I never felt scared. I always felt completely cared for. And I always felt like everything was under control. So she ended up giving me a shot for bleeding, which I don't remember what it was called. Was it Pitocin? Probably. But we had expected something like that because in my postpartum C-section, I bled a lot. So she had known that, you know, and it was never like a hemorrhaging sort of lead. It's just that I I bleed more than normal. Um, So we were prepared for that. She was prepared for it. And she knew, you know, once I stood up, here you are, you've been sitting for a while, you've got all of these wonderful feelings, and now you're going to stand up and probably gush a, a little bit of blood. And I'm a very small person. So that's what happened and um, got me to the bed. Everything. I remember telling her that I had initially decided on home birth when I first saw how you weigh a home birth baby in the little <laughs> sack thing. When you see I those just, little feet sticking out. Yes. And when she did that, I lost my mind. I was like, that's the moment I was waiting for. So that was all, you know, the fainting in between that didn't ruin any of it. She got me back up again after a while. My doula hand fed me to make sure I was getting, you know, enough proteins and stuff to, to get that energy back that I had just spent. She checked me and I did tear, which if you remember earlier, that was my biggest fear in labor. Um, I had no idea that I tore until she told me. And I was an absolute baby with the stitches. I mean, I remember telling her I just gave birth with no epidural and I can't handle. And I was completely numb. I think it was just the idea of what yeah, was thinking going on about down there. the stitching going on is not. Yeah. So not it was <laughs> exactly. We were laughing about it the whole like the whole time. But um, she ended up getting me back up again to use the bathroom and you know, she was sitting right in front of me while I was on the toilet and she was talking to me. She kept saying like, I want you to let me know if you feel, she was very aware of, I could faint again. Um, and she was trying to, you know, gauge everything, but it was not scary. It was, it just felt like she was just a friend that was making sure I was okay. I fainted again on the toilet. (laughs) And at that point she put me right on the tile, which woke me back up. And, um, she got my husband and she was like, I just want to show you what to do if this happens after I leave. So she was very proactive in this isn't ideal, but it's also not the, you know, we can handle this. It's not the best thing that she's fainting on the toilet, but there's, there was nothing there that made her feel like we had to go to the hospital. And she wanted to make my husband feel prepared enough to be comfortable with her leaving. So she left some pills that I don't remember what they were. She said, in case of a hemorrhage, you take these pills before you call anyone and, and all that stuff. I, nothing happened afterwards. My bleeding was under control. I never fainted again, but I just felt like had that happened in a hospital, that would have been a story that like, well, I fainted. And if that happened at home, I would have been in big trouble. That's why I like to tell that part of the story because it did happen at home. And I, it, it was still so beautiful and I never felt like anything was out of control. Mm -hmm. So I think people, you know, and I I will never say this to anybody that's it's explaining their birth story to me and, you know, say someone fainted in a hospital and that's their reasoning for not wanting to do it at home. Um, But most of the horrible birth stories I hear that people are so thankful they were in the hospital, one could have been prevented by avoiding some typical hospital interventions or two could have absolutely been handled at home. Like the umbilical cord around the head is a huge one, or I'm sorry, around the neck. And where I'm like, well, you just un- unloop it, 
Like, yeah, you just unlooked best. <laughs> and I hate saying that because I'm not going to tell a mom that was scared by that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, everyone just has to do what they are comfortable with exactly. at the end of the day. And if you're more comfortable in a hospital, then you should give birth in a hospital. But if you're more comfortable at home, then give exactly. birth at home. Exactly. And I share that part of the story just so if there are moms that are more comfortable at home, but also have that nagging, like, well, what if this happens? I want people to know that not every home birth is, you know, unicorns and rainbows. Things can happen at home, but things can also be handled at home. So that's why I share the part of fainting and tearing and that stuff. I mean, I tore, I think six times and I never had to go to any sort of follow-up. She stitched me right in bed and she checked me when she came home, you know, she comes to my house two times after the birth and that was it. So, I mean, I I think having that relationship, like how you were speaking to your midwife felt like more of a friend that was making sure that you were okay. I think having that comfort and that relationship with your care team and asking those questions, like addressing your fears. So again, like you were saying earlier, you had your two fears in birth and you brought them up and discussed them with your midwife and processed through them. I think Mm -hmm. that that can be insanely helpful, especially when people have fears that are specific to giving birth at home where they, they want to give birth at home, but they're scared of this one thing or these couple things asking those questions like, well, what do you do if Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever, whatever. I, I think that that can really help in, realizing that most things can be handled at home or how your midwife would handle those things and making sure that that's something that you're comfortable with too. Absolutely. My husband's was if the baby came out not breathing and he was shocked at the number of babies that come out that need CPR and then that's it. They're fine after that. Um, So for her to explain that, like, It's not, she hasn't done a hundred births where she had to give CPR, but yes, some babies come out blue and need a little help, you know, grabbing that first breath. It just makes it less scary. And we went over it because I knew that I would be in the water and I knew that my husband could not grasp that the baby was okay underwater until she came up. Um, So for example, her head came out first, obviously. And she was underwater the whole time until the second push. We had talked about that before because I knew that he's going to be in the tub with me. And if he sees, I mean, think about it. If I were to hold one of our kids underwater now for that length of time, he would get pretty freaked out. So my midwife thought, this is a huge thing. Probably not a lot of people think they're going from water to water. So it's not a big deal if she comes out and is still in water as long as she hasn't taken her first breath yet. So that kind of working through that fear and telling him, you know, have I been at a birth where a baby came out and didn't breathe? Yes. And this is what I did. And here was the outcome. And she was always fully transparent in that. And then went that extra step to, to tie, okay, here's his fear of not breathing and we're going to deliver in water where he's going to see his child underwater for a certain length of time. So I'm going to address the breathing thing there. So she really kind of took this natural, you know, A to B line sort of thing to connect. Here's what could happen based off of what he's telling me his fear is where I don't think they asked Dwayne anything at any of the the twit appointments. So I just appreciated all that extra time. Yeah, definitely. So for women who are kind of on the fence or trying to decide what they want to do if they want to have a home birth after having that first C-section, do you have any advice or insight or anything that you would want to tell them? Well, I think you should always, when you're pregnant, go in with the motto that you're in charge. Because I, I, I think I mentioned earlier, but the they won't let me or they said I can always sticks out as the biggest thing to me as what deters women away from home birth, because, well, last time they said, you know, in my personal experience, I could have very well said, well, last time my OB said that I can try, but no, last time my OB said some crazy stuff and i never went back to him. So I just want 
would love if women, pregnant women focused on the fact that they're in charge. This is your baby, your body, your pregnancy. Can something happen? Yes. But your mama and your gut is going to tell you when probably, you know, you should probably take someone's word for something. But I just, you know, if I could build, build a sort of consistent thought process around pregnancy and labor and delivery is that you're the mom, you're in charge. So you make all the decisions. And because of that, take the responsibility of doing research. I'm I'm sure it's easy to say, well, the doctor says to do this, so I'm going to do this. And it's, there's less effort that you have to put into that. You know, I'm a big researcher, so I know it takes a lot of time to, to look stuff up and really dig down into statistics. But if you do that, you'll see that, you know, what you want is absolutely possible. I appreciate you being willing to share your stories. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, send us an email at hbacpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.